Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, He's in conversation with Reverend Donna M. Banks, pastor of McMannon United Methodist Church in Durham, North Carolina. We rejoice to talk today with Pastor Donna Banks, the lead pastor of the McMannon United Methodist Church in Durham, North Carolina. Pastor Banks, thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you, Dr. Goatley. It's a pleasure to be with you all and to have it, accept an invitation from you to be a part of this podcast. Wonderful. Well, we're talking about flourishing in ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a few years recently, I've been a part of a community of pastors. We have one cohort of uh, women pastors and a second cohort of millennial and zennial pastors. We've been on a journey that we call pilgrimages of striving and thriving. So our assumption is that when it comes to flourishing in ministry, every round does not go higher and higher. And that uh, one way of thinking about flourishing uh, is similar to a tree where sometimes there are leaves on the branches. Other times there may be blooms or blossoms. Sometimes the leaves are falling away and sometimes there are only bare branches, but still the tree is healthy and thriving and flourishing. Can you describe for us what flourishing in ministry looks like to you? Flourishing in ministry. I am a second career pastor. I have a degree in chemistry and having worked for a chemical company for 16 years before realizing I had a call to ministry. I get to compare. I get to compare what ministry looks like versus a secular job would look like. And trying to say, um, you know, what are the differences? What do I bring to this 
role of ministry that's different from what I would do in my secular job. And it came down to me when I was in my secular job was me trying to have it all. Uh, was trying to have a family, trying to have a career, trying to work my way up the ladder and trying to um, uh, get as many rungs on the ladder and trying to uh, fit as many things into the schedule as I could. And I, I went from, um, I started out as a chemist in the lab. Then I moved into sales in uh, Detroit. I, um, I called on companies, I worked for a polymer company, so I called on companies who made coatings. So in Detroit, most of the coatings go where? On cars. Um, and uh, so I, um, I moved from there. I went to, um, the company consolidated all of its uh, uh, different divisions in Research Triangle Park. So when I moved from sales, I moved into marketing and from marketing, uh, I moved into a VP role, uh, managing a small business unit. And, um, you know, and then at the same time, trying to get an MBA, trying to make sure I'm doing all those things to uh, put myself in a position to take on a higher level of management. Um, but that changed when I, my job got downsized and I finally was able to come to realize I was sitting in a Baptist church at the time. Uh, I grew up Methodist all my life, but when we moved here to North Carolina, the closest church to us was a Baptist church. So it's like, that's probably the one we're gonna get to every week. <laughs> so let's join this one. But um, coming to that church and um, finally getting your chance to do Bible study. And it was experiencing God, doing the Bible study by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And it says, go back and look where God was leading you and you weren't leading yourself. And I think that is the difference. That's one of the differences about ministry is that you're not doing this. This is God working through you. And I tell young people all the time, this is not your call. This is God's call on your life. And God will sometimes put you in places that you don't want to be, take you to places you don't want to go. And in order to allow you to experience God in different ways and, um, and be about the work of God. And so it's not you striving, it's you thriving in the midst of the places that you find yourself and then finding God there finding God moving in your life. And so it has been a, a, a wild ride uh, for me. I have um, started out uh, in ministry as an associate pastor in Chapel Hill. Then I went back and served my field ed. That doesn't happen very often. I served my field ed church. And then I came and served as the director of student life at Duke Divinity School for a short period of time. And then I went on to be a district superintendent in the United Methodist Church and went on to serve two other appointments since then. So it is thriving in a ministry is stopping, is not trying to control ministry. It is allowing God to move you in places God needs you to be 
in order that you are about God's work. And I think that is the biggest learning I've had in learning to thrive in ministry. One of the things that on our pilgrimage with pastors we've been um, exploring is something we call a formula for flourishing. Um, and uh, forgive me, you're the chemist, so for, forgive my- Yeah, that technical brain will start to take over here in a minute. Yeah, forgive, <laughs> forgive my elastic use of the language formula, but it's not an equation. Okay. Our formula for flourishing holds that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus service context yields the ministry content, there is a higher probability for flourishing. Mm -hmm. So those are the three things that we're holding together. Yeah. And the idea is that um, flourishing is, is organic. Uh, it's not like you can just drag and drop it. Yeah. Um, so can you talk to us a little about how your context of service, where you have served, has informed the content of your ministry? I'm gonna start with capacities, if that's okay. okay. Well, one thing I do, I do teach the leadership class and courses study. We always wanna think that leadership is, is natural to us and, and people are born leaders, but I believe that capacity is built as we go along. And for me, what has been as a woman in ministry was learning that um, leadership is about me becoming my truest self in order that I can help others do the same. So um, that's just a side note of thinking about capacities and what we, we know about ourselves. Now, context for me, it's relationship, relationship, relationship. And I have, um, one thing I do when I go to a new appointment, I do it at every appointment, is I gather a group of people. I take, uh, I, you know, I put it out there. Anybody who would like to sit with the pastor for about 15 months and, and, help the pastor understand what's going on in the, in the congregation, to dream a little bit, you know, to, because I believe in a lot of cases, the church has lost its imagination. And so uh, people are not offered an opportunity to see things not the way they used to be. Because most people are on that back to Egypt, let's go back to when things were great, but then don't think about, well, this could be great too. So when I come into a congregation, I gather about 12 to 15 people for about 12 to 15 months where we sit down and we talk about what's going on in the community, what's happening around us, what's happening in the world, and how are we positioned, what, what capabilities do we have as a church to begin to see how we can um, affect change in this area or how we can be a conduit of God's grace at this place and time. And so uh, at my first appointment, my solo appointment, it was sponsored by the conference and it was called Abide. And I can tell you that was the 
hardest 15 months I've ever done to sit with people and allow ourselves to just kind of not fix anything yet, but to truly dream. You know, I, I tell people, you're called to dream something big where God sits up on his throne and says, I can't believe they just asked me for that. You know, just giving people the, um, the flexibility and the authority to go, let's just dream as big as we can and allow the Holy Spirit to take us in places we cannot imagine or hope for. The only thing we are called to lead is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Everything else is managed. How are we going to lead making disciples of Jesus Christ at this context, within this context, this church, this people? And it is, um, and a lot of people go, no, we got it. We got to do all these children's programs. I said, no, if it's not making disciples, we don't need to be doing it. Because we've been, most churches have been in this programmatic mode where we got we to gotta scratch every itch. We've got to have everything for everybody. And most of the time we end up not doing any of it really well. So what is it that God is calling us to do in this space to make disciples of Jesus Christ? And our vision is how we're going to do it. How are we going to do it here? And we're trying to do that on several levels. We're trying to do it on adults. We're trying to do it with youth. We're trying to do it with our older adults. But helping people take the next fateful step in their discipleship. A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world through prayer partnership, financial support, and technical assistance. We come alongside indigenously-led communities to support ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You can invest in churches, schools, clinics, and more throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for your partnership in this ministry. Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now back to more of his interview with Reverend Donna M. Banks, pastor of McMahon United Methodist Church in Durham, North Carolina. In terms of either your own practice as a pastor or 
what you have witnessed in, uh, as you support and mentor and work with other pastors. Can you say something about how a pastor's capacity, what she or he can do, contributes to the content of ministry? For me as a pastor, my connection with God, what I do that's the most important thing I do is keep an ongoing relationship with God. And that also includes how we spend time with other pastors, <laughs> how we spend time in a covenant group. I'm always in some kind of group that is challenging me, that's asking me questions about my life and how things are going in my life. Another thing I'm a big proponent of is therapy. <laughs> I think every pastor deserves their turn on the couch uh, because we, um, again, we believe we did this. Somehow the, the ministry that's going well, the everything that's happening in our life, you know, we did this. No, it's not you. It's God working through you. And sometimes we need an unbiased opinion of what our lives look like. Um, a spiritual director is another one of those things. Sabbath is another thing I'm a big proponent of. Uh, spending time away from uh, the, the work that we do because the work is very demanding. It's, it's, it's you know, between the things that we do as far as on Sunday morning, uh, pastoral care, uh, visiting people, doing all those things, uh, they, they wear on us. And so we've got to, you know, I used to think until I read 24-6 um, uh, by um, Dr. Sleep that, you know, I always just took a day off. Sabbath is not just a day off. <laughs> it's a day to let go. It's a day to enjoy life and to believe that God will, God will redeem any time that we have and that we're supposed to spend time in doing those things that rejuvenate us, the things that we love, because we, sometimes we lose the things that we love because we're too busy doing, doing ministry. So Sabbath reminds us that we are human beings rather than human doings. The other thing is becoming a lifelong learner. For me as a woman, it I cannot lead like a man. I, I, I'm not gonna be an authoritarian figure that stands up and say, it has to be my way or no way, or I'm the one that comes up with the vision. And I'm, you know, most women I know who are doing well in ministry are, are participatory in their, their leadership style. When I bring more people into the process, when I am reminded that I, this is not me that's doing this, this is us working together to come up with a new vision, this is us working together to figure out what God is doing. I can hand off ministry. Uh, the work I do mainly is to empower others. That's my primary job. If I'm not empowering others, I'm not really doing my job. And a lot of times I see pastors trying to do it all. They're trying to do everything. They're trying to check all the boxes. And then we end up with, with burnout. When we put ourselves on a pedestal or we allow people to put us on a pedestal, it keeps us from being transparent and authentic. If I'm becoming my truest self, that's a part of me being my truest self is being transparent and being authentic and being vulnerable um, in order that you allow other people to do the same. 
Well, what do you say to people, say leaders, pastors, who believe that to, to be transparent, even appropriately uh, and vulnerable, is to be interpreted as weak. And therefore, if you're interpreted as a weak leader, it's difficult for you to be influential. I think transparency and vulnerability leads to authenticity. We're not saying that you got to let everybody know everything about your life. You've mm -hmm. got to tell all the stories about what's going on around you. Um, but appropriately letting people realize that you're a real person. When you don't do those things, they will put you on a pedestal and it is hard to come down without falling down. And when you, the higher you are, the harder you fall. I, I have seen the most thriving ministries are the ones where people say, you know, I've been an alcoholic. I've had a problem with drugs. I've seen people go, okay, he's approachable. He's somebody that I can tell my story to and somebody who can receive that. When we allow ourselves not to be transparent, we put ourselves in a place where people, they can't relate to us. And it may come across as, as uh, strength, but in the long run, it will not come across as someone that you can relate to. And I think relatability is now a big deal for younger people. They need to have someone that they can relate to, someone that they can speak with, someone that they can um, find a connection with. And, it, and I think that's what we do when we tell some of our stories. We give them some of our places of weakness. It doesn't make us look weak. It makes us look like, hey, by the grace of God, we have moved through this in order that you can do the same. What brings you the most joy as a pastor? What brings me the most joy is the same answer that gives me the most headaches. People, they bring me the most joy, you know, in a, in a congregation is baptizing babies and watching people grow in their faith. And at the same time, they can be your worst nightmare. Um, so yeah, it's 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 double double-edged sword there. People, um, and that's that's the thing that I am I, I love learning to love people. You've got to love them before you can ever have have the conversation of how we're gonna change. They gotta know you love them. They gotta know you're not gonna let you, you don't wanna hurt them. And you're not out here to 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 tear down the traditions they have come to enjoy, but saying, hey, we've got to move past them to get where maybe God needs us to go. So yeah, people are my greatest joy and my greatest nightmare. Can you tell us um, what's the best advice you received about pastoral leadership? You know, this is the, this is the most recent one and I use it a lot. I use it a lot. Uh, my brain said something and I have, it has been something I have been living with for a long time. And it, it, it um, he said, uh, 
If you make disciples, you always get church. If you make church, you rarely get disciples. So we've been doing a lot of just making church rather than making disciples. And so I just, that's, this is a thing I hold in my hand every time. Um, I, I say that because when, um, when churches were thriving, when United Methodist churches were thriving, most of them were doing disciple Bible study. People dedicated 32 weeks to get together once a week in order to be in community, eat together, read scripture together, pray together, and do ministry together. And they thrived. And now, they wonder why and what happened. And I say to them, let's go back and look and see when you were thriving, what were you doing? And they go, oh, we were doing that. I was like, yeah, it's time to get back to that. And I have witnessed that over this pandemic to watch, because we started two new discipleship groups. We call them MICA groups. And um, they have met every week during the pandemic. They built relationships, they built a level of trust, and now they're growing as people of God. They're becoming disciples. Now Sunday schools can't meet. You can't do that right now. But those groups meet over Zoom. When it was warm outside, they get a social distance and spend time together. And so I know there's something there that we have forgotten. We somehow think that we're gonna program our way out of this. No, it is called back to basics, making disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, I, use, I use another thing that Mike Breen talks about in leadership and he talks about it about the leadership square. And he talks about it in terms of the first part of the square is you watch, I do, you watch. The side of the, tri of the square is I do, you help. The bottom part of it, you do, I help. And then I watch and you do. That's how Jesus led. But most of the time we go from I do and you watch to you do and I watch. We don't train people to be disciples. We just throw them out there. We give them what they need. And then we say, okay, go ahead. And that's the way we have been making disciples. And I think we've got to get back to the basics of what it means to be the church. And the church is always made up of disciples. And when you make disciples, that's where you get leaders from. I always say, my call is to be faithful. And when I'm faithful, God can do the increase. That's not my job. What word of advice might you offer a pastor who either practicing pastor or an aspiring pastor mm. about flourishing in ministry? It's not about being successful. It's about being faithful. We've been caught up in this thing to be successful in ministry. And God calls us to be faithful. 
And if we're faithful, that means this is not a sprint, it's a journey. Two things are gonna happen to you. You're gonna suffer and you're gonna get sabotaged. It's the, it's the nature of being a leader. And don't let that keep you from the work that God has called you to. Again, the suffering, the wilderness experience is gonna come. You're not gonna get out of this unscathed. <laughs> but I can honestly say, and on the other side, God, is, God has already planned it out. He just needs you to grow in a couple of areas and preparing you for the next thing. When I was trying to discern my call to ministry, I um, started reading the Bible. I was still working in my secular job and I was like, I could sense that something was getting ready to happen. I, I was like, I know something getting ready to happen. I don't know what it is. And so at January, I started going, okay, let me just read my Bible. So when it happened about May, I was at Second Chronicles 20. <laughs> Out of all the places to be. And it's King Jehoshaphat. And he says, they tell him that the Amorites, the Jebusites, all the ites are coming against him. And he says, let's put on sackcloth. Let's offer a fast. And one of the people stand up and said, the battle's not yours, but mine. And I just kind of, every time I run across that scripture, I was like, oops, let me just kind of pay attention because something's about to happen. <laughs> but realizing that, yeah, the battle is yours. It's God's. When things happen, it's an opportunity to realize that God has something bigger in mind for us. We've been enjoying conversation with Pastor Donna Banks of the McMahon United Methodist Church in Durham, North Carolina. Pastor Banks, thank you for taking the time and sharing so generously uh, from your wisdom and your insight uh, about flourishing in ministry. You've been a blessing today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Goatley. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Mm -hmm.